Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to Hunt for Reds October podcast. I'm your host, Coop, and tonight we've got uh, some people here to talk Reds baseball and a special guest with us tonight, somebody who, unlike the tens of you that are listening actually pitched in the major leagues. we got Quavero on with us. Carlos, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Oh, thanks for being on. Uh, we also have Branch on with us. Branch, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Excited to have a real live, you know, like made it further than high school baseball player on this call. Well, I didn't even make it to, to high school, so sorry. Sorry, I couldn't uh, meet your expectations there. <laughs> Returning to the podcast, we have Wu on with us. Wu, how you doing? I'm here. That's uh, yeah. That, I'm here. We got baseball coming, and the Reds are trying everything to dissuade me of being interested. But <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get to that. Oh man. Oh yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, we also have Burmy coming back with us. Burmy, how are you tonight? I'm doing really well, Coop. Appreciate you uh, inviting me back. I, uh, it's great to be back with the always just utterly enjoyable and optimistic. I get to share the digital space <laughs> with him. It is an absolute honor. And uh, upon my return, I also want to give a shout out to Ram. At Uncle Ram. Shout out to Ram. Yeah, Wu, Wu is our, our eternal optimist on the podcast, as you, will, as you all know and we'll yeah. find out later. So we've got some news that we need to get to first. I was going to start with the previewing the season, but some things have happened in the meantime. Phil Castellini, who of course is the, uh, he's, he's the chief operating officer, I believe of the Reds. He's, he's Bob Castellini's son to, I want to say it was uh, the business journal, something like that. Since business journal, where he said that the Reds' finances are, quote, a train wreck after the 2020 season, where there were no fans allowed in the stands and claims to have lost approximately $15 billion. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but around $15 billion that the Reds lost. And I don't know what he was thinking given this interview literally three days before opening day, where everybody's getting into the excitement that baseball is coming back. Everybody's ready to go. They're excited. Regardless of the somebody's, yeah, somebody's like moving a body or something, but uh, regardless of the inaction in the off season, people are ready to go ready for spring. And Phil Castellini gives this interview. Burmy. What, what are we supposed to make of this three days before opening day? I'm not surprised you got asked about it and, you know, was willing to give the interview. I think the timing, yeah, it's less than fortunate. I agree with you there. Um, I definitely think it was given almost as like a precursor to if going to blame the finances. So I, 
it's honestly, you know, hopefully none of us ever have to experience a pandemic again after this. So we never have to experience. (laughs) I mean, I say that for, you know, a myriad of reasons, but um, I I definitely, you know, think that this is a a unique situation um, that everybody in baseball is going through. Obviously, teams like the Padres have found a way around it and a way to spend money and to get their fans excited. So it's definitely a, a Debbie Downer situation for sure. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I am a, more of an eternal optimist when it comes to baseball because that's how I choose to do the sport. Yeah, weird timing. Um, and I, I just really hope that people just take it for what it is and go, yeah, well, no shit. You know, everybody took a financial hit during a global pandemic and, you know, manages to maintain some sort of optimism going into the season. Carlos, you've got a unique perspective of being in uh, major league organizations. What are you, and I don't know if you saw this interview where uh, Phil Castellini said that the Reds finances are just, well, he, he said a train wreck. <laughs> Is that show me the books? Exactly. I mean, show me the books. They can hide behind it all they want all the time. Like, we have to take everything he says with a grain of salt. How do we know he's telling the truth? Not calling the man a liar, but there's a reason they don't want to open the books to us, uh, us being the MLBPA. Yeah, uh, that would be the easy, I mean, they're not going to do it, you're right, but it would be the easiest way to prove, yeah, look at all the money that we supposedly lost if you open up the books. I mean, you don't have to everything, just open up your operating. You know, these. this is the money that you have to have to pay your players, pay your uh, uh, frontline staff, your uh, game day staff, because everything after that revenue is profit. Now you can't claim lost profit and say that you're a, financially a train wreck. If you're meeting your operating expenses, then the profit, if you're losing that, that's a different story. Branch, give me your thoughts. I'd really like to know what he did with the other $8 for every goddamn beer I've ever bought at that fucking ballpark right about now. Uh, and it's a lot. Considerable amount. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't believe this shit. And, you know, to put this in layman's terms, if you bought a house when they bought the, the Reds, whenever it was, for, say, $243,000, and if you believe the current valuations and even knock, well, let's knock $750 million off the current valuations of the Reds, which is $1.75 billion. They could put a for sale sign in the front yard of the Reds, sell the team, and for their initial $243 million investment in buying the team, they will still, after paying off that initial investment and probably every damn debt they have, eight hundred million dollars left over that's a little bit of coin they're not going to starve next week i said it but if if, if we did it put that in housing terms same time two hundred forty three thousand dollar house that's not a house that went up to eight hundred thousand dollars that's not a house that went to eight million e million dollars out of lots of zeros after you paid off your loan and all the stuff you got to think it's huge numbers in those terms and them wanting to cry, dude, baseball team equity loan. I don't give a shit. 
write it out like everybody else is. Buy the cry of poverty. I just don't. I don't buy it. Not with the TV contract, the the uh, merch and everything else. I mean, game day ticket sales are about of money that a baseball team makes, especially with the Reds. That might even be less with some of the bigger market teams where they get more revenue from the TV contracts and from merchandising. But at most, they're making 40% of their money on ticket sales. I'm not buying a $200 million loss or whatever it was that somebody said that he said in that article. Woo, you're the eternal optimist. Tell us we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. You own one of 30 things that exist in the world. No one, uh, no one as in any of us, can really correlate what that's like whatsoever. Um, these aren't things that realistically lose value. Um, it, it's it, all of this is not surprising and equally as frustrating to me. Um, it, the messaging is unique here. Why, 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 on what planet does this sound like? Let's send this message out a week before opening day. Like I, it, it's it's the catch-all. It's the it, I, I heard the Bob interview with P Doc there, and I, reading between the tea leaves, he made references to the future being prospects and this and that. I don't think they really have an attention. What they have on the books is what's on the books, and th- th- it's kind of like they want to be that medium ground. They don't want to be accused of being, uh, but they don't want to spend any more than they got to, right? They, they just, and that's kind of where they're at now, right? They can that's look where and they, say, "Hey, we spent a lot." That's where they've been for we, like we, five years. Uh, but they can say, "Look, we spent a lot. We're not the pirates, you know. We we've done we've done things." Um, I, I just it, it's. I just want them to stick to a plan. Like, well, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, it's anyone who wants to sit around and say Dick Williams left for anything else that he was. He went into the office with Bob, and Bob said, "We're not spending money." We're not doing what you had planned. We're not doing any. Like, it is plain as day that that's what happened now. And top to bottom, this franchise wants to say they're poor. They can't spend any money. We can't do things because fans didn't show up. So we're not going to put good players on the field. So fans don't show up. So then we can say, well, fans didn't show up. It's, 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 it's the cycle. It's, I don't know. It's just, it makes me want to say, hey, Bob, this isn't. 2000 or 2005 kind of even 2010 the cost of me taking my family to the ballpark actually cheaper than that for one game a year I can pay for this thing called MLB TV and I can watch damn nearly every game of about any other club that's out there the the 29 other teams available and he gets a cut of that he gets a cut of that and he gets a cut of that but I can take my fandom and my hey I'm going to go to a game here or there, or I'm going to buy their merchandise, and I can go someplace else, and I can still watch how I watch 99% of my games anyway. And that goes for anybody in the Columbus... I'm sorry, the... They can do the same damn thing. Yeah. And I just... It's just frustrating. And the signs in that Bob interview, and now you're hearing this, 
I, I think they're they're just they're gonna they're gonna hold their cards, and then fold them, and it's it's rebuild time again. And I, I don't know, I'm not very excited. Um, if if they didn't play in this piss poor division, I mean this season's DOA, but they're they got very very fortunate. And I mean I want to it's baseball. I'm excited to see baseball. I'm excited. I just this team infuriates me, and it sh- this ownership gets way too much slack. They've barely produced anything, haven't delivered on the promises, and this is a city where, you know, 1995 is the last time they advanced in the playoffs. It's just, I don't know. It's just the level of anger around this club directed towards ownership should be like tenfold of what it is, in my opinion. But it just they, they seem to get a pass or it gets spun. And that's great, but it's still league average, not even buff, like right in the middle of the league. So I'm Carl, rambling too much. So yeah, you're up. fine. Carl, <laughs> Carlos, I wanted to ask you, because you were in the the organization uh, not long after Castellini took over. Uh, I believe he took over, what was it, 2003, something like that? Um, uh, I couldn't tell you. Oh, three is was whenever I got drafted by the Reds, so. Yeah, but did you hear any kind of messaging? The timing like this? to have two. No, go ahead. Do it. I was just saying. No, I'm saying it just. It just seems a little weird that the timing of him releasing, you know, this being available for this P doc interview, and then a couple of days later, this comes out right before the season starts. It's almost kind of like he's you know setting up for failure that way at the All Star break of. They're not where he wants them to be, then you can have a fire cell, and and he's got reasons yeah. behind it. Well, then the other thing is, is if it's a fan favorite, is he going to trade him? Because he admitted in the PDOC interview that they had deals for Todd Frazier and Aroldis Chapman that he didn't pull the trigger on because they were fan favorites. I mean... <laughs> Billy Hamilton also. Right. It's like wait look. till wait till Suarez wins the home run derby this year, Coop. <laughs> but you can't be a fan and an owner at the same time. You can't run your team like a fan. You have to be smart. I don't know. It's just really frustrating uh, the messaging coming out of the Reds. The the PDOC interview with Bob was actually I actually liked that interview because Paul Doherty, again, to his credit, asked some tough questions, which doesn't happen in this market very often. And Bob answered a lot of them. And he confirmed a lot of the things that a lot of people thought of that he was meddling in baseball operations, which he shouldn't. Um, You know, his team, whatever, you do what you want, but you can't be a fan to the detriment of the on-field product, is I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Well, after that ray of sunshine there, let's talk about something. My bad. <laughs> talk about something good. We're going to talk about Carlos for a minute. Carlos, uh, you should follow him on Twitter, uh, Carlos Guevara58. He, as Branch was saying, had some really good years in the Reds organization. And then uh, went on to the Padres where he pitched in the big leagues. Talk about a team that's exciting right now is the Padres, but we'll get to that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my God. You're sexy. <laughs> you, want to talk about an, you want to talk about an exciting team right now. Um, yeah. But 
Carlos, what uh, what are some of your memories of being in the Reds organization and some of the good, some of the bad, some of the stuff maybe you're allowed to tell that isn't too risque? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> how long you guys got? Oh, we got a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- t- you know, to begin with, um, you know, the first couple of years, I don't even know how many different GMs we went through. It feels, you know, and you know, being a you know, seventh-round draft pick, but by the time we were on our second and third GM, I felt like I was, you know, just another guy who was happy to be on the team just because, you know, those GMs come in and they want their guys who are drafted to, to get to the big leagues to so make them look good. And so, that, you know, that was kind of a, a constant fight and felt, you know, that my back was against the wall from from year to year. And I didn't throw hard, so I had that. Please. So, you know, that, that was kind of difficult and stressful um, right away the first several years. And then, you know, the opposite end of that, it was, you know, you can't complain. I was, you know, I was a minor leaguer from – Small town, Uvalde, Texas, um, just outside of San Antonio. First one of my town to ever make it. So everything that I did, I can complain about it now, but it was the best thing to ever happen to me. You know, each day going in and out of that, meeting, you know, all these great friends that I have still to this day um, to visit. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, but, you know. Maybe if you have some more specific questions, I, I can, <laughs> yeah. can, can I, answer I, those. Can I ask a question? Go I, ahead, Brad. Um, yeah. A good friend of mine came up through the Pirates organization, and he made it to Double uh, A um, before a blowout. Um, he actually roomed with Bronson Aurora once upon a time. Um, anyway, something me and him talk about a lot, and I'd like to get your take on just a little bit before this revolution of the cameras and the spin rates and the stuff that's taking place now with Respiotos and all that and, and what's going on. Does it chap your ass a little bit that you kind of <laughs> miss it? Cause it does my buddy. He's like, God, I would have killed to have all that stuff. You know, <laughs> you, you know what? I'll enough you talk about it. Um, because that part of it, not really. Bauer has been doing, you know, with the weighted balls and that kind of stuff. I did that in 2003. Cool. In college, we did that. We were, um, you know, all kind of like byproducts of Mike Marshall, the former reliever of the Dodgers. You know, my pitching coach was a disciple of his. A bunch of our guys from college would go in, you know, they had command issues or anything like that. They would go over to Mike Marshall's camp in Florida, spend a semester down there with him and come back. And so a lot of those things, like with Trevor, like, you know, like I'll, be, I'll be talking, you know, to players that are still playing now. And like, you remember me with a weighted ball throwing it in there and everybody's kind of like looking at me crazy. And <laughs> I had I had wrist weights. I mean, if you would have seen my my stuff back then and, and it's all along the same basis of, of, of what Trevor's doing now and what's going on. So I kind of feel lucky that I was ahead of the game then. Because if I didn't have that stuff, then I certainly wouldn't have made it. Um, um, so it was that combination of having that advantage and being that I was. 
Um, I don't know how well I would have used the, you know, the spin rate and all that stuff um, and all the cameras. Because we, we did do video. I remember we had the old VHS yeah. on the tripod, shirts <laughs> off, filming from behind. Back then, I had no problem with shirts off. Now, I'm ashamed to walk around my kids with my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, even when I was, believe it or not, like, the, the filming part, even when I was, like, just coaching, like, 12 and 13-year-old kids a couple years back, being able to show a pitcher, see in the second inning here where you were, this was your windup. Here's your windup in the third when everything went crazy. You see what changed? And they can't argue with the video. They're like, oh, crap. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I said, like, go mm-hmm. back out and do what you did in the second. <laughs> Quit doing mm. this, you know. It's on a much yeah. smaller, smaller level. But it is nice to have that video to bounce, you know, to see. One thing I was going to ask, uh, I believe you were, were you drafted by Dan O'Brien with the GM? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a couple of philosophical things that he wanted all the minor leaguers to do that seemed a little outside the box. Uh, he wanted, he obviously preached the pitch to contact, but he also preached that he wanted batters to take a strike before they would swing at a pitch. How did that stuff go over when you all were coming up? It was fucking terrible. (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It was the dumbest thing ever. Like, I mean, I guess I can see how it might help uh, a Joey Votto where he maybe learned how to be able to hit with two strikes because he had to, because yeah. everybody in the league knew he was taking a strike. <laughs> you know, by our third series, everybody knew. So we had like two two guys in the lineup each day that were randomly selected to be able to have, you know, the, the green light to swing oh oh or, you know, without a strike. And pitchers we all had to throw we were in the count one one we all had to throw one one fastball and everybody knew that as well you're kidding me yeah no i'm definitely not kidding that's starting pitchers everyone that's any kind of scout gonna see that in a series oh yeah well, yeah, they all, I mean, everybody, like I said, everybody knew, like, after the third series, this is what's going on. Because, you know, you got guys that played college ball together that are in the same league, not on the same team anymore. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? You won't believe what they have us doing. <laughs> and so everybody knew what we were doing. And, you know, I was, you know, I started every single year in the minor leagues. I started up as a mop-up guy in the relief, in the bullpen. But, you know, by all-star break or whatever, you know, somebody got moved up and I proved myself and ended up becoming usually the closer. I was going to say, you look, you look to be the closer and do the best closing. And, <laughs> when you look at your stats, that 2005 season, you got 14 saves. That's uh, that's screaming closer to me. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, I mean, the same. That was with, uh, was that Edgar Caceres? Caceres? I, I don't remember his last name. Um butchering it but yeah i mean i was i was definitely a mop-up guy to begin with you know um and then they just hey he's having a couple of good innings let's putting him in let's put him in whenever we're tied in the fifth inning or the sixth inning something like that end up you know become the the closer the last couple of months and 
you know, especially in low A, was really, I don't remember in high A, they made us do it as much because they were kind of like over it after a year of doing it. <laughs> um, but I remember calling my my pitching coach back from college and say, hey, they're making us throw one, one fastballs. He's like, don't do it. Strike everybody <laughs> out. <laughs> He's like, strike everyone out that you can. Do not pitch to contact because spring training next year when they release you because you have a 6-2 ERA and <laughs> eight homers hit off of you, they're going to cite this. Like, all right. So I just said, one more fastball. Nope, here comes a screwball. Sorry. And, you know, the guy's like <laughs> way out in front of it. And I was, I was winning games. My manager went to bat for me. Uh, pitching coach said he doesn't need to. He's got fine control. He doesn't need to do that. So, I mean, that, that was a rough time. <laughs> it sucks so bad. That's, that's so funny. It reminds me of, of in the in the classic book, Ball Four, where they go, until you're actually a player and you've been around a while, you don't re- realize how stupid some of the fucking people you've been around are. Mm-hmm. Not just they'll they'll say dumb stuff that makes no sense to the game. I love that part of that book. I just I just remember hearing that and thinking, how is anybody going to develop if? <laughs> Like you, like you were saying, you're constantly down 0-2. How are you going to develop hitting, you know, with, you know, a count advantage? How are you going to develop when you're having to throw a fastball that everybody knows is coming that a good hitter is just going to tee off on because they know a fastball is coming? It, it's, that always drove me nuts. And I was, I'm glad that uh, you, you were able to shine the light that everybody else thought it was freaking stupid. <laughs> I have so I want to see if we can get the answer go ahead um, okay so obviously you know we were all digging in and trying to find some some fun stats uh, regarding your career today and I noticed you know just very basic obviously you know none of us put a ton of onus on it but congrats on never losing a game in the show first of all um, uh- yeah, that's absolutely big man. pride in that. Exactly. Yeah. Better than a lot of people could say. We'll and, be on uh, my head. One and <laughs> Here lies Carlos. Never lost a game in the show. <laughs> um, but you did get one win. Pitcher took the loss in that game. Uh, shit. I remember Tony Clark hit the home run. Uh... I don't remember. It's okay. Hoffman got the save for you guys, but you actually beat Billy Wagner. Oh, no shit. <laughs> nice. o- officially, you, officially, you beat Billy Wagner. So nice. I, thought that was, I thought that was cool. I'm like, that's a lot of big names on there. And then the guy comes that's on the really podcast. Cool. Suck it, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have one question, too. Go ahead. I was asked to, I was asked to ask you. It's, it's two, but one of them is a quick answer. One, favorite minor league city you got to go visit that wasn't a Reds affiliate? Ooh. That was a very common one that a couple of my buddies who I was like, hey, questions. Tattoo, but then you said that. Um, well, you can we can leave it at that, but. Um, Nashville? That's what, that one comes to, to mind. We had a pretty good time in Nashville. <laughs> Hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. When we went to the Florida State League, I'm trying to think of this town. Um, there's a couple of good spots in the Florida State League because, you know, a lot of them were right by the water and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool sure. to go out. 
you know, not a bunch of like crazy locals or anything like that coming <laughs> to the game, so, so, trying to suppose- hang out afterwards. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, maybe, maybe you just found the spots they weren't at. Well, you gotta um, watch, you gotta watch it in Florida because after dark, when the locals come out, you will see some stuff. <laughs> it's the last one I had for you is obviously you spent a lot of time with Votto, and he is a, always a fan favorite and topic of discussion on any Reds podcast. What is the most everyman thing Votto likes to do on a regular basis? Uh, debate LeBron James and Michael Jordan with me. Okay. Nice. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant. It's a daily. It's a weekly deal. Maybe not a daily, but about. Oh, it's cool. a weekly. I mean, I, I, I take LeBron in that, but. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Uh... Yeah, I know, but, you know. Damn it, my age is showing here because I remember Jordan in the prime. Oh, I, I, I remember uh, Jordan too. So uh, he, he would get handled by LeBron. Come on, LeBron not, is just a different kind of animal. Physical. I, yeah. I know, I know. I mean, it's different sport one. back then. Yeah, it was. It was we might have just started a war. I mean, this is going to be Coop. This is going to be great for your clout. All right. I have no clout. <laughs> I can't even get a hat from the Reds. I don't have any clout. We're working on it, buddy. <laughs> uh, I did have one other question real quick. Um, what was the big differences between the Reds organization and then when you went to the Padres organization? It seemed like there were a whole lot less secrets going on. Um, as far as, you know, it's, it's like spring training – um you know regular season it's always like a big secret like you know who's doing well who are they thinking of moving up um you know when certain rovers are coming into town it was like the Padres was just like an open book you know they're letting you know where you sit what you're doing um hey you kind of better keep doing well people are coming here to see you next week type of deal um, it just felt like there was lots of confidence and lots of trust going on. When I was there with the Reds, it was like everybody was, you know, just trying not to screw up so they didn't get let go because it was just it was constant turnover with the Reds at that time in the minor leagues, and everybody was just, you know, you know, Homer Bailey's coming out to pitch, pitching coach would just stay away, stay in the back, wouldn't even want to say anything because they didn't want to be the one to miss up Homer, you know, instead of, yeah. You know, we finally got Grant and Jackson in there, the old uh, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher in in Double A. That was that was probably my best uh, coach in uh, the Reds organization whenever I was there, because he didn't give a damn about what ownership or what the the farm wanted to do that year. He he was teaching how to pitch, and that was it. It seems like that's been a recurring theme with the Reds in terms of like you were saying the not being straightforward with people. I remember all the way back to Jim Bowden, the the famous Pokey Reese line of, you know, when he's lying is when his lips are moving. And, yeah. and then, you know, from Dan O'Brien and then Wayne Krivsky came in. Um, I don't know. It was just, with such a revolving door. It's almost like there's like clicks that develop. It seems like if that makes sense within, the front office of who they like in the minor leagues and who they don't. And if you're constantly having that turnover, how are you supposed to, if you're getting one message one year and a different message the next year, how are you supposed to develop? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that I shouldn't be worried about no. um, playing minor league ball. I shouldn't be worrying about getting my body right in the right position to pitch every single day for, you know, 140 games and not worrying about, well, how does this GM look at me or how does this, you know, pitching coordinator look at me? Am I one of his favorites? Because we all know he wants their favorites to move up. It was just, it was so like clicky, like you said, even whenever those uh, guys came to town, like you could tell who they would talk to. None of the, like, you know, Mac Jenkins, you know, everybody liked him a lot. Not me. He, he probably never spoke to me the entire time I was there really? in the minor league. Yeah. Hmm. You know, he had his little favorites that he had, which were the top prospects. It wasn't a coincidence. He can't tell me he just got along best with the top prospects. I mean, I'm sure you can hear the bitterness in my voice, <laughs> but that was pretty annoying. Oh, there's, there's nobody that gets more chances than a first-round draft pick. Oh, sure. Or more love. I mean, that's just the way it is because they want to be proven right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly, that's what a friend told me about. He said that was the hardest thing about coming up through with Bronson is, you know, he everybody knew he was the darling and you just couldn't really screw with anything he did. Sure. You know, it's just it's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. And he was going to get a lot more chances, you know, than than what everybody else did. And, you know, there was good guys that didn't make it, even though their performance actually not bad. You know, just as good as the guys that did. Well, and it's got yeah. to be it's got to be demoralizing and hurt your performance in some ways when, you know, you, you're not getting talked too straight. You're getting different messages from different people. How, how I mean, how are you supposed to produce under that situation, the situation when you can't trust anybody? That's I mean, that's all you can do. And you hear it all the time from scouts and you hear it from your individual coaches, too. They'll they'll say, hey, you're not just pitching for the Reds. You're trying out for the other clubs as well. So just yeah. keep doing your deal. If you get pissed off with, with whoever's you know around you or you know any of the stuff that I was just talking about, don't worry about it. Just pitch, and if you do well, you'll make it. And that was the case with me. <sighs> it, I, I want to say that I'm shocked, but I'm not, because when you hear. You hear things here and there about how the Reds have treated players in the past, and uh, it's just disappointing to be confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, a lot. Of, that's one of my first things when people ask me, "Hey, do you miss it? Um, you know, what kind of drove you away?" And I'm just like, "There's politics in baseball, mm-hmm. and it sucks." Yeah, it's uh-huh. kind of a baseball tradition to treat the talent like shit. Yeah, As she said, but I'm not opening the books. I mean, it's it's been going on for years. Well, and it, I mean, the I think people people see the things like the the service time manipulation, and they think, oh well, that's terrible. But you know, that maybe that's the only thing wrong with the organization. No, that's just one thing that owners do to try to keep the salaries down. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, well, anyway, why don't we why don't we transition to some uh, some somewhat good news? Even though Phil Castellini took a big old dump on it, the Reds <laughs> are about to start their season. So is everybody else. And I just want to get everybody's predictions on what what is going to happen here. Uh, Woo, let's start with you. Um, 
give me your uh, give me your uh, good good <laughs> your prediction for you know record um, any kind of standout players that you think will have good years and since it's you what are the bad things that are going to happen <laughs> oh my god thanks um let's see here uh, i mean this is not a a good baseball team. it's an average team at best really um it's just gonna they're gonna benefit greatly in playing in the absolute worst division in all of baseball this year um man in terms of a record i mean there's a there's a lot of scenarios that this year especially um you know i i think they're gonna be like an 82 win team and i think the division's gonna be like 86 and i think they're gonna quote be in it um i think they'll be like third in the division and it's that's it's as who gets the luck and who you know who gets the roles and that kind of thing but i mean they have a horrible bench Nothing or a really bad bench. It's bad. And they are, you know, you know, everyone has to fight the injury bug. But man, if Suarez gets hurt, I mean, it's just it's gonna get ugly. If you lose one of the top pitchers, it's gonna get ugly. Um Sonny Gray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's bad who's had some injury battles through I mean through his career. Love him to death. Great pitcher, but um uh, but I think there's a lot you're gonna they're gonna be in ball games it's just not gonna be the best baseball to watch so if you want to be excited because hey they're gonna be in it that's fine i'm personally annoyed because i want good baseball to watch and this is gonna be kind of crappy baseball to watch in in my opinion i hope i'm wrong i really do um but i i think winker sitting there especially if he continues to hit off lefties could have a really big year. Um, I'm. Uh, I want to see what Suarez is going to do with the position change. How that's going to affect him. But you know, he was coming off that shoulder surgery last year, and so uh, you know, I think he could have a really big, big season this year. And obviously, I'm really excited to see if Castillo can finally take that step to be a true ace or a Cy Young potential candidate. Um, control issues under control and and keep himself out of trouble. Um, so there's these lights here and there to look at. I'm just very just put off personally by this division was there for the taking, and you know no one wanted the ownership didn't want to go out and do anything. And um, that's, that's where I'm put off is I'm put off with ownership, not necessarily somebody's typing it. Okay, um, I'm put off by ownership, not with the players. Um, no, no, no. Or or um, Nick Crawl, right? I mean, right. He's, well, Nick Crawl is with just, the hand it was dealt with. Right, exactly. Nick Crawl is just doing what he can do. I think I used to call him Reek, and that was probably mean. But um, he, if you know Game of Thrones, anyway, um, we won't go there. We, yeah, <laughs> because then you're going to want to talk about Star Wars, and then I'm going to have to end it. Oh. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're you're talking about the podcast, right, Coop? Please. No, I was going to end every end my shit. <laughs> oh, oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Burmy, go ahead with your predictions. Um, actually, I think Wu and I are in the same boat here. I think, yeah, barring major injuries, um, you know, extended periods of time, things like that, etc. This team can win 82 games <clears throat> if they get, you know. 
you know, a couple bounces here and there, a couple ground balls with eyes, things like that. I was watching Bull Durham, sorry. Um, that 86 win mark, which damn well might win this division in the division of mediocrity and Pittsburgh. But yeah, high end 86, at best 88, I would say, if everything falls into place properly. If they somehow sneak in to a postseason spot this year, I will be shocked and I would enjoy it for all it's worth and just cross my fingers that they score a goddamn run this time. So <laughs> that's that's what I'm really hoping. That's like the high end, the low end, yeah, injury bug. We've all seen that with teams we like and, you know, shit happens. Um, yeah, low end is they probably finish third or fourth, I would say. So there's definitely a range of what can happen. And, you know, like I said, injuries and performance. The bench, I agree with everything Wu said. You look at it and you're like, you know, you kind of just grimace a little bit and hope, hope for the best. But um, you never know what happens. Could easily, if they think they're in it, maybe they can go out and acquire something. I know everybody's kind of headed. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You made a joke. What are you, you made smoking? a funny. Oh, funny. I'm so, I, I'm smoking. Why are you the, trading Hunter Green right now? Yes, I'm smoking. Oh, no, not, <laughs> the only not way that's going to happen. I was looking at more like a veteran bat off the bench that won't cost you the bank. Yeah. If if you know you you know obviously we all know that caliber of player, but um, yeah, up and down. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm just I'm just excited to watch it. It's great to have baseball back in April. Skip Schumacher you know, feels like walking through that door. Oh, that would be <laughs> branch. God damn it. God, God damn it. Coop. I know. Sorry. Branch. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, actually, it sounds like Wu and BRM are a little higher, higher up than me. I, I honestly believe this is about a 74 win team. Um, namely because they have played like shit through spring training. And I'm not just talking about win loss, man. There has been some bad, just fielding and, throwing errors and base running blunders and just oh it's not looked like a good team they've had like maybe five decent innings in all of spring training and i know there's people coming people going but sometimes when everybody has the damn yips you can't do nothing i mean i do agree that winker is probably going to go off and i think they could possibly be an 82 win team Man, that's their ceiling for me. And I'm usually optimistic, so hopefully I'll just be wrong and they'll win 90. I don't know. You know I mean, that would be what I want. But but... I think it's going to be a weird year. Right? Yeah. I mean, like a really weird year because, I mean, players, obviously, you're doing things of their own, but it's still, it's, it's a, it's, even with COVID it's still around, right? Things are going to be weird. And I think injuries, like we've talked about the injury bug. It's going to be an extremely interesting year in terms, I think, of pitchers, especially uh, uh, in dealing with injuries. Um, I could be way off on that, but it's, you know, you can simulate so much. You got, you know, games, you got the weather, you got all this stuff. I, I don't know. I I think you're going to see a flurry of injuries potentially early in the year, and it could derail, derail things. So, I don't know. Sorry. Just wanted to no, it's fine. There. Carlos, what are your thoughts on uh... – what the what the Reds can do this year and uh, anybody that stands out to you? Um, I kind of think I've got the feeling it's going to be almost the opposite of last year. 
I think the offense is going to do really well. Going to have a really a really good bounce back year. Um, and I don't have much faith in the starting pitching. Um, um, I feel, you know, Sonny Gray is about to. I don't know. It's hard to predict somebody's going to be injured, but you know, for somebody who's constantly has this and that, you know, going on, and he's a max effort guy, he's, and he's getting up, you know, kind of getting a little older. Um, worry about that. And, you know, he's already hurt. Um, I like Tyler Malley. Um, I was really looking forward to Antone. Hopefully, he gets in the starting lineup soon. Um. I mean, other than that, I mean, the starting pitching, there, there's a lot of things that need to go right for them to be good. And, you know, the bullpen, I believe the bullpen is a lot like it was last year. Um, everybody is super high on those back-end guys. I'm the highest on, on Sims out of all them. You know, I think Garrett is can be really good. I think he'd be an all-star if it was the old set of rules where he can just come in for lefties. Um, I know he's doing well against righties as well, but I just – Having him to go out there, you know, to face a minimum of three bats. Um, you know, I'd see his fastball was, you know, was being hittable. His slider to be, you know, good, slightly above average. Um, he's just a big fella. And, you know, hitters are going to start, you know, seeing him more than, you know, than what they have in the past. And he won't be totally brand new anymore. So he's going to have adjustments that he's going to need to make. And we'll see if he can make those. Um Offensively, I'm looking forward to uh, Tyler Stevenson. I want I want to see him oh, on yeah. the dish and see what he can do. Definitely. I really do. I agree that the offense is better. Um, as far as total win, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So as far as total wins, I'm I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic and go with the 87. I'm going to go with 87 Ooh, nice. wins. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna slug some games. Um, I just dropped the Wii. I hate when people do that. Um, <laughs> but you can because you were in the organization. Together. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to. If you're in the organization at any point, you can drop the Wii. That's <laughs> um, funny. I uh, I agree that the offense is going to be better. I think it has to be right. Well, I mean, I think the that... the move of Suarez to short to bring Jonathan India into second. Jonathan India, he, I know people were down on him because he had a, a bad, relatively bad 2019. He did battle some injuries, though. And all the reports out of uh, the alternate site last year were that he was just killing the ball. And he's athletic enough that I don't think he's going to kill you at second base. And by adding that bat in the lineup, since they didn't go out and get a shortstop, and without the weirdness of 2020, where a lot of guys were just off, I think the I think the offense is going to be better. And just normal luck, right? Yes, they're not going to have a batting average of balls in play of what was it like two thirty something or whatever it was last year, something ridiculous. Bad by a yeah, lot. By a lot. Um. I do worry about the back end of the rotation. I don't think Jeff Hoffman's going to last. Um, we need <laughs> Sonny Gray. Hopefully, is not going to be out for very long. Uh, 
because him and Castillo, and then I'll throw Tower Miley in there. That that's a good first three of your rotation. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on De Leon either. He, I know he had a good winter league, uh, but I want to see it in an actual uh, a major league game. Uh, bullpen, I think maybe slightly better. Um, I I really like seeing. Siano uh, Perez. I am terrible pronouncing Sionel. names. Sionel. See, I am Cyanel. terrible at pronouncing names. I I really was impressed the few games that I saw him pitch in spring. Um, so I'm hoping that um, he can be that shut down left hander. I know there's with the three batter rule, it's not, you know, you don't have the situational lefties anymore, but I, I'm hoping he can be that shut down, uh, shut down two back-to-back uh, left-handed bats or something like in the seventh inning to get to Sims and Garrett. Uh, Lucas Sims, I'm just hoping that he progresses from where he was last year, where he made that huge step forward to become just a just an absolute stud in the bullpen. Um, I also agree that T.J. Antone needs to be in the rotation, but, you know, the Reds feel you guys. You guys think you guys think they they go ahead and stretch him on out and not put him in the bullpen, or are they gonna put him in the bullpen? I think they'll put him in the bullpen because they don't need a fifth starter for what seven games, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't. Know. I'll, be, I'll tell you, I'm gonna be super excited first game that Anton starts. I mean, he just looks so good in tra- spring training. Spring training sucked. Well, and he great. and he looked good last year. He's <laughs> pro- he's proven yeah, he that he can year. he can produce. Yeah. As as far as record, he's got too many good pro- pitches. He'll yeah, probably yeah. have to. He'll have to throw five innings of relief at some point, anyways. Like, let's not beat around the bush there. You know, that's <laughs> that'll be that'll be stretching him out right there, anyways. Hoffman, Hoffman's last game is his stretch out game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. We go pee back like they used to do back in the last. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Forty-five pitches each. That's it. Oh, no. Man, um, but he um, that I still don't, I'm interested in how they're going to work that out. If because I mean I, he's top three relievers in that bullpen. Yeah. Right yeah. now, and what are they going to do if it's if it's a close uh, close ball game? Are they going to just give him one inning? Like, is he going to throw the seventh? Is he going to throw the eighth? Or is he going to, is he going to, are they going to pull, you know, the plug on the guys early and let him throw two? How are they going to make it work? I know they want to stretch him out, but if they're in a close game, you got to throw your best guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then it's going to burn him for the next day if he throws, you know, if he throws two innings in a row, then, you know, if it's that fifth starters day, He's not up. He's not throwing that game. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be something to pay attention to. Absolutely, it really is. Um, as far as a record, I'm 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 gonna say around eighty four wins. Um, hoping that if they are in it around the day the deadline, that they will make, at least make some kind of incremental improvements. Um, you, you can't have Kyle Farmer and Max Schrock as your main infield. Uh, utility guys i mean kyle farmer can handle the bat a little bit but i don't know i think if you're going to upgrade at the trade deadline that's where you would the big the outside of the rotation that would be the biggest place to upgrade um i'm really interested in nick senzel 
and what uh, what he can do with a fully healthy season, even though he's got a, a groin issue right now. <laughs> uh, but I'm really interested in seeing what he can do because he can flat out hit when he's healthy. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I root for him for some reason. I don't know. I got a soft spot in my heart for Nick Senzel, SEC guy, you know. But uh, even though he went to Tennessee, but we won't talk about that. Um, so why don't we get to some lister questions? Everybody's favorite uh, segment. All 10 of you who listen. Carlos, sorry if you were thinking you were getting on a, a hugely important podcast. Sorry. We're, we're, nobody listens. Uh, no. <laughs> um, first, first question comes from Bill, and you know how he has some weird questions. What's your favorite men's room stall at GABP? I'm not going to answer that. Um, how much of your stimulus have you spent on Reg-related? Oh, Coop, Coop, Coop. What? It's the one that's closest to Epcot. That's your favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos doesn't know about Epcot, so okay. we. Well, <laughs> Carlos, that's a whole other story. We'll have to tell you off air. All right. Uh, it involves me and a bathroom and a crying kid. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you should preface it's your bowel movement. Yes. No. Whoa, no. Whoa. Whoa. Trying to hit the log off man. button. As we speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, I should have added a little bit more context to that. <laughs> there was some bad food involved, right? Yeah, there was some bad food. Oh and my god! The kid was in the Jesus stall next to me who was Christ. crying. Anyway, just the kid doesn't off, mention the food. That's awesome. I off I the rails. Off the rails. Off the rails. Anyway, he also asked, "How much of your stimulus have you spent on Reg-related uh, items, tickets, memorabilia, gear?" And then he asked, "If I stood at home plate, how far could I throw it past second base?" Man, I don't know. I'm old and fat now. Um, I haven't spent any of my stimulus on the Reds other than I bought a hat. <laughs> Anybody else spend any stimmy on Reds-related info? Uh, I just turned right back around and sent mine back to the IRS. Yeah. I haven't done my taxes yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did my taxes. <laughs> they get it all right back. All right. R.I.P. Peace to Branch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I didn't buy anything Reds related. I did buy a vintage NHL T-shirt, so <laughs> woo! just blowing that stimmy everywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And Bill didn't use the hashtag, which he never does. But the hashtag was Jonathan. Hashtag Jonathan gonna shove his bat into you. Get it? Nah. Ooh. It, <laughs> scenes. Was there Erotic a kid crying? Was there a kid crying there too? <laughs> <laughs> But our, our first, uh, another question comes from Buckeye State Sports. He used the hashtag, hashtag Jonathan going to shove his bat India. Will John Sadak use the phrase small market club during the opening day pro- broadcast? I've actually been impressed with John Sadak just for the fact that he's not Tom Brenneman. Yeah. I mean, he seems competent. He seems like he can call a game. And without any kind of slurs, which is always a good thing. Also, who here is getting drunk on opening day? Well, I've Me. got to, I've got to work, so I, I took can't. the day off on purpose. <laughs> I'm just going to do it in my house. I'm cooking brats and mets, and nice. I'm going to 
ball feel it up and I'm going to watch the Reds. And if they start losing, I'm going to start watching other teams. Carlos, I know you're down for a beer because you post pictures of you drinking beer all the time. And I respect the hell out of that. So I know you're probably in for the drinking game. Small market oh, yeah. team. Everybody here has to take a shot of whatever they have in their house. I mean, I can't. I'm, small market I'm working. <laughs> I'm working. I can't. Coop, you can't work till past five, right? I don't know. I, I usually get off at five. Oh, oh there you go. Well, I mean, uh, I'll have to play. You got to use one of those personal days for opening day, Coop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what, exactly. Coop. Well, I, w- I would have if I would have gotten a ticket. Didn't get I didn't a have a year. ticket. I'm just, I just know me. I can't concentrate on work on opening day. Yeah, <laughs> I've got other I, shit. I got. You're going to be so useless on Thursday. What, what's the difference going <laughs> to be mean, from honestly. every other day? <laughs> 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 no, I work hard. Um, <laughs> uh, Carlos, I just that's, had a, that's that's Coop Stapler. I had a Stapler. <laughs> I had a question about announcers. What do the players do? The players get annoyed with announcers, or do the are there announcers that the players like? Um, because I mean, everybody knew Tom Brennan was an absolute douchebag before his, you know, blowing up his career. Do players really give two shits about announcers, or is it just when they say something stupid? It it depends. Um, if you're early on. You probably are super sensitive to it because all your buddies are calling you and saying, hey, you know, Tom said this, he said that. And, you know, you get annoyed with it. And then, you know, you've been there you know, a good four or five years. You're like, who cares? You know, you've got bigger worries than what Tom Brenneman's saying or or announcer. I just use him because I dislike him strongly. Um. Yeah, it just really depends on who you are. I mean, they hear it all. You know, it's it's just whether they want to waste time on it or not. And like I said, once you're a little bit older, you could you could care less about it because you know you were you're not going to forget about it. You know, they call mm-hmm. you and ask you for a favor for an interview. No, thank you. You know. Yeah, I remember there was a a famous blow up between Ken Griffey Jr. and Marty Brenneman where. Marty claimed that Griffey was dogging it on a ball that he thought should have been a double. And it's like, what is the, I mean, how, how does he know that he's dogging it? You know what I mean? Especially a guy coming off of however many leg injuries. If he doesn't think he's going to get to second, I don't have a problem with not running into an out, but yeah, <laughs> that's the your, your manager's not going to want, his manager, Griffey's manager at that time, didn't want him legging out every single, you know, ground ball to the infield or trying to stretch, you know, those singles into doubles. Yeah, because his don't leg want would that. blow up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got patience, so it's a long season. I, I, Pete Rose would have done it. Oh, God. Pete Rose would have done it. <laughs> that, that's the, that was the problem is Pete Rose dove into bases with reckless abandon just like he dove into teenagers. Um, uh, oh, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have said that. Um, um, oh, God. Uh, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Did he go allegedly. to the Epcot bathroom as well? Allegedly. <laughs> God damn it, Lou. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Pete off diving joke got one. God. Ugh. Anyway, let's get off. Let's get off of that. 
Uh, Kyle Kapler had a question on a scale of one to five, with one being not worried and five being very worried. How concerned are you with Jose Garcia? I think that Jose Garcia was just brought up way too quickly because, well, I don't know, really know why, but he was just brought up too quickly and he was a little bit overmatched at the plate. Defensively, he's fine. Um, Will, I'll ask you, do you are, how, are you worried or concerned with Jose Garcia going forward? I mean, I'm not worried in terms of development. I mean, last year was weird. So, and, and I mean, they didn't really have many other choices, just like <laughs> kind of looking at this year. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried, no. I, I mean, we'll see what see how he develops, how he goes. I mean, it doesn't hurt to get him some time. And, I mean, 60 games, well, it wasn't even 60 games. How many games no, did he play last I, year? He only played like, was, was it like 30? 20? Not even that, I think. I mean, 26, 27. I mean, it's almost like a, yeah, it's almost like an almost the end of the year call up in a way. So, I don't have a problem with it. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously his bat has a long way to go, um, but I, I don't think there's anything to worry in terms of his overall development by getting some exposure last year. Branch, any concerns about Garcia? Uh, not a bit. I hope he uh, he really learned a bunch when he was up last year. I mean, he, there's a reason that major league pitchers are major league pitchers. It's because they're fucking good at it. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a reason that 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 high A pitchers, they're good too for their level, but they have to have that progression, and so do the batters. I mean, he he missed seeing a whole lot of pitchers get better, and him getting better with them because competition drives you to get better. He missed all that and skipped right on up to seeing a freaking five year veteran major league pitcher and. That ain't got to do nobody no good. That's just <laughs> that's rough, man. <laughs> that's hard. Uh, Burmy, concerns with Garcia, and it says he left. He must have had his internet must have dropped. Carlos, you got any uh, concerns with Jose Garcia? No, not at all. I just you know, hopefully he gets a lot of abs. It was it was tough getting trying to get a read on him. A lot of times when I watch the games, you know, I try to. Try to evaluate guys like how I would play for them. And him, it was just, I couldn't get a read on him, you know, because he just never played enough. And he, all he looked like was a young guy being called up in a spring training game. That's what he looked like every every game for me. It was like he was just getting a tryout. He yeah. never seemed comfortable. Um, you know, he's, he missed a lot of those ABs. Like, you get to try stuff out in their league levels, you know. You know, I know, you know, Pitching wise, you get to try to do a lot of different things, and I'm I'm sure hitters are the same. Um, you know, they try different things: hands lower, hands in tight. You know, open stance, close stance. He just didn't have that opportunity to do that last year because number one, he didn't play enough, and number two, those games mean something. Yeah. So he just needs time. I agree with everyone. I'm not I'm not as concerned about it because yep. of how weird 2020 was. Um. Burmer, you want to add anything? I was going to say, yeah, I actually got kicked off the call there for a second. That was oh. weird. Um, I know, yeah. Pay your um, bills. Uh, I do pay my bills, Coop. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I'm a one, and Jose Garcia had never had an bat above, you know, high A ball. And he was like, hey, kid, here you go. Like everybody's alluded to. Absolutely, just, you know, third of the wolves. All things considered, there's a lot of worst 
you know, a lot of worse things are going to happen to him. He could have gotten injured. I mean, you know, yeah. he could have gotten Austin Kearns. Get set and, on know, by Ray a, King. Yeah. Yeah. In a season that means nothing. Well, it, not nothing, but in the law, in the grand scheme of things, it's early on. So he got a little taste of it. Go down, see a bunch of, you know, pitching that'll be not as good as what you saw in the, in the, in the show last year, but still much better than what you've seen ever before that. And just keep developing. I, you know? Yeah. So, uh, next question comes from Greg Borchers. He asked hashtag Jonathan going to shove his bat into you during the Nick crawl interview with P doc. Did you actually hear him say I'm reek? I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> next question. Uh, over to the 2021 world series hashtag Jonathan going to shove his bat into you. What are you eating on opening day? Well, if I'm at the ballpark, apparently you can't get the new Reds corn hog unless you're in the scout seats. Carlos, I don't know if you know the history of corn hog. I've seen your photos. I don't <laughs> want to know. Our, <laughs> our friend Casey, shout out to Casey, KY Reds gal on Twitter. This was several years ago. She was at spring training and she posted the picture of this, just this massive corn dog that looked just like a massive dick. And so corn hog was born and we celebrate corn hog, but uh, the reds finally are bringing a giant corn dog to great American ballpark, even though it's, they've it looks like they've added food color to make it red, which, you know, you know maybe it's just been a long night, but Hey, um, that was a bad joke, uh, but it's only available in the scout seats. What is the deal with that? You should be able to have a corn hog. Just put on with... a Hawaiian shirt and a big old hat, and you can. They're trying to seat. give all their. They're trying to give all their scouts cancer, so they don't have to pay them anymore. <laughs> no, that, that's a uh, Marge shot. The favorite Marge shotism of why are we paying scouts? All they do is sit around and watch baseball games. Oh, yeah. That's, yep. Shout out to Nazis. Um, no. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I I strongly dislike Mardshot. May she rest in piss. But how do I really feel? Anyway, um, I I like the uh, fry box down the left field line, or right line, I mean. um. You can get all kind. Of, you can get the also down in that corner. You can get those big turkey legs. If if I'm at the game, that's where I'm going to eat. Is is either the fry box or where I get. I forget what it's, the place is called, but where you get the biggest turkey leg. Uh, what about you, Branch? Uh, this year, I've got a fresh delivery of uh, from uh, Finley Market of Eckerlines Mets and Brats that I'll be cooking, and I'm looking very forward to them. Nice, and that's what I'll be having with quite a few beers on my front porch and it's going to be i'm really looking forward to thursday actually it's going to be great it's going to be cold uh, i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna be so fucked up by the time my wife gets home from school it's gonna <laughs> be cold gonna be a mess. it's gonna be cold <laughs> yeah well i also have I, I can walk right on in the house if i get too cold it's not a big <laughs> deal um and uh but at the ballpark I, man, I tell you what, I'm a beer and peanuts guy. I don't really eat a whole lot of the ballpark food other than beer and peanuts because I usually go spend a stupid amount of money to eat before a game or after. So that's yeah. in the ballpark, man. Just give me some beer, give me some peanuts, and let me sit and watch a game. The the cost of beer, though, man, 
to get a good beer, it's like thirteen dollars. Yes, well, I figured that them beers in a bar are two dollars. Yeah. Until recently, it's only been ten dollars for Bud Light in a park. With what I've paid the Reds, they should not be crying poor. I'm telling you, this pisses me <laughs> off. I spend, I easily spend, usually I grab about $200 cash before a game just to spend on beer in the ballpark. And they, yeah, what are they doing with that? It, it drives me nuts. Carlos, opening day food, what you got? Uh, this year I'll be having Anchor Bar Hot Wings. That's nice. where I'm going to watch the first couple of games. And then uh, usually at a ballpark. They're in Cincinnati. Um, at the ballpark, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a beer and peanut, peanuts guy. I did try the Skyline one year. Hard pass. Oh, I love Skyline. Hard sky. pass. <laughs> hey, at least like at emphasis on the hard. Yes. <laughs> At least you tried it. Some people look at it and won't even try it. Did you have a Coney or did you have a three-way? I had a Coney. Okay. I don't think I was ready for the three-way. Sounded too intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a regional thing. It's a lot to take It's definitely a regional thing. I'm not from Cincinnati. It it has definitely been an acquired taste for me. I still don't think it's the greatest ever. I do like it when I'm with friends and it's 3 a.m. after a day at the ballpark and we're just getting ready to go pass out now, but it's it's definitely an acquired taste. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I know. It makes me – a lot of people outside of Cincinnati just hate it, but – Yeah, but know. Saturday – I'm looking forward to Saturday. I think Saturday I'm going to wake up a little early, put a pork butt on, and nice. then do some sausages for lunch, and then – just to make a whole day out. How you do your pork butt? I, I smoke it. Ooh, smoke yeah. it on an offset. Uh, yep. What are you smoking it on? On an offset smoker on a wood burning. On a wood so, burner offset. Yeah, yeah, I made one Thursday. I, I do all my smoking on a Weber kettle still. Uh, I'm doing indirect heat. Yeah. I still got some leftovers of that pork butt from last Friday. And you know, it's spring when you're putting a pork butt on the grill. You know? Stop being so aroused, Branch. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, what are you eating? Hey, Woo, you you absolutely adore my meat in your mouth. There you go. Woo, Branch got that that Pfizer vaccine, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Woo, what are you eating other than your feelings? Uh, uh, wow. Uh, let's see here. I'm I'm, I'm like uh, up Branch's alley there where I eat before or after the ballpark. So when I'm at the ballpark, I love a bag of peanuts or uh, some nachos. That's my go-to one, of, uh, or brat. Nice big brat. You know, stick that stick in my that meat in your mouth. Well, you, do you get the yep. nacho helmet? Uh, no, not typically. No. Do you get the Do you get the red Sunday hat? Shout out to Tony. Uh, before the game, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um. Next question comes from Josh. He asked, hashtag Jonathan going to shove his bat into you. How many games does Tyler Stevenson start behind the plate? And he thinks the Reds win 72 games. That's a little low. Um, I think they're going to straight platoon it with uh, Barnhart give the switch hitting and only batting lefty. So, I, unfortunately, I think Stevenson's only going to play mainly against left-handed starters. So, I'm going to say he's going to start probably around 70 games. 
Uh, Burmy, how many games do you think he starts? Oh man, uh, if they're you know if they're platooning like you said, which I think they'll do at least the first two months of the year. Uh, yeah, seventy is a fair number. If they're falling off at the end of the year and they're just going to get him time, they may deal Barnhart. So maximum a hundred, I think. Because there is definitely a contender out there that would love to have Tucker Barnhart as their backup catcher. I mean, so, he, he is a two-time Gold Glove winner. Yeah, oh, I, and you know, Tucker's obviously he's been talking about what he's worked on, and you know, with his bat in the off season. And Branch and I used to always talk about Tucker the doubles machine. He did have a 162 game stretch, I believe it was 2016 and 17 mm-hmm. combined, where he doubled 46 times. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. And that was back when he was switch hitting. So. Um, yeah, I think if that happens at 100, if not 70, I really wish they would have played him in first base a little bit um, in spring training just so he could spell Joey, uh, you know, sometimes and get his bat in the lineup because I'd much rather have Stevenson's bat in the lineup on a Vado day off than a Kyle Farmer or whomever is going to be doing that job. Woo, how many games does Stevenson start? I haven't even thought about that, so okay. I have no real opinions. <laughs> I, I, but I agree with the idea that you know the first couple months of the season, they'll they'll they'll, they'll do a, probably a straight platoon. But um, if Stevenson kind of picks up his pace, I think it's going to be one of those where he could play himself into you know most days of the week starting. Carlos, it's just going to be too hard to ignore that bat. I think at the end of the day, Carlos, what do you, do you think uh, Stevenson will start? How many games? I mean, right around what you guys are saying. I just think that it it sucks for a prospect to come up like that and is going to have to platoon. I mean, it's going to be a step back against facing righties. And it's not going to be an everyday thing for him, you know, next year or the year after when he does become the full-time catcher. It's just, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of the whole platoon deal. No, I agree, uh, especially given that, um, I mean, Barnhart's going to be in the last year of his deal they're not showing signs that they're going to be spending a ton of money, but they're still going to give him the majority of that bats. I would, I would rather see Stevenson get the majority of the bats at this point. Sure. Branch. Yeah, I'd much rather see a Stevenson against a righty than a Barnhart against a lefty. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's probably going to be about that 80, 80 to 90 range. And again, this stuff can change if they're in the cellar come the all-star break. Yeah. I think Barnhart's gone. Which is a smart thing to do in that case, um, especially if you're not going to re-sign him. Yeah, because he's not—he's not really going to be a qualifying offer candidate anyway. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to re-sign him, you re- the the smart thing to do is to really be looking at getting Stevenson in there. Now, again, we don't know the handling of the pitching staff stuff, and like, I mean, hell, yesterday Barnhart nailed some guy throwing behind the runner at third. Uh, what game was it? The Mariners game, I guess. I mean, he just totally made some base runner look stupid, and and getting a uh, strike him out, you know, throw him out, double play. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough to say. Barnhart's still valuable. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, all we can really hope for is that Stevenson's bat just forces their hand. You know, if if that bat's thumping. And right now, I think Barnhart's hitting 135 in, stra- in spring training. That, that ain't cutting it. Well, if if the Reds do trade Barnhart, then that'll open the door for Chris Oakey. Shout out to Ryan. <laughs> First round draft pick, Chris Oakey. 
anyway. Storm, Storm Chaser Nick uh, says, hashtag Jonathan gonna shove his bite into you. Shout out to the new corn hog. Thank you, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and that that's the last question we have. Uh, so we'll go around our virtual room here, have everybody give their final thoughts. And Carlos, since you are our guest of honor, give us your final thoughts this evening first. Um, I appreciate you. We're doing a little podcast. Not a little. You you guys have a huge following, but a podcast. Tens of people. (laughs) No, it's fun. I'm excited for the season. Excited for us Twitter managers to come out in about the fourth or fifth inning of every game. Uh, Correcting David Bell. Look forward to that. Um, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm really excited to see... Joey, um, know he's going to have a good year. I know he's worked his, his butt off for it this off season. So really looking forward to that. Hopefully he, he gets back into the groove of things here pretty quickly. Um, other than that, that's all I have. All right. Woo. Give us your final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for baseball to be back. I'm really looking forward to at some point this year, going to a game in person. Um, I I just uh, hope the Reds come out of the gate strong because uh, they got till June. And looking at that schedule, June looks like murder's row. Uh, Going to probably dictate a lot of the season. Um, can't, you know, get, obviously got to avoid that in the typical slow start they sometimes run into. But, um, you know, favorable start of the year. Uh, I just, it's going to be good to see some baseball again. And I, I'm pretty excited about that overall. Branch, give us your final thoughts. Uh, first series against the Cardinals. Uh, man, I'd love to see a sweep and three Joey Votto home runs. That'd be great. Really, I'd rather see like three or four Joey Votto RBIs. However, how they come, I don't give a damn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm down on them, and maybe it's just me being psychological because usually I'm you know 80 plus a year even like I think I was wanting 80 some wins in 2017 for God's sakes <laughs> you know uh, so maybe I'm just doing some reverse psychology the same thing with you know me talking shit about uh, <laughs> India you know and his uh, glorious headers yeah because well since, since since I talk shit about India you know because India shouldn't be on the opening day roster um, he's been doing great so I'm going to continue to talk shit and piss off other Reds fans. Sorry about that, guys. No, you <laughs> keep going. Working, He's been doing well. <laughs> if it's working, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I heard I, he kicks dogs in his spare time. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, I heard, I'm so, I heard so they uh, made him shave his head before he got on the plane today. Really? The head lettuce I'm is just gone? kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> shit, that's 1980s Yankees stuff right there. <laughs> Shout out to Greg Vaughn. <laughs> Uh, Burmy, final thoughts. Jonathan India and I are a member of an elite fraternity, the brothers in locks. So <laughs> I, I respect, I respect any man that can rock flow like that. Um, I'm excited for the season. And I, I think for me, it's just the fact that, you know, I guess I've been gauging time and how long, how long have I been working from home? And I think where we were last year when we knew we weren't going to get baseball in April, and then May, and then June, and then it finally came back July 24th. And it's just nice to know that, that everything feels like it's aligned properly again, if that makes sense. Nature is so, healing. 
Nature is healing, exactly. So I'm excited to have opening day here on Thursday. Can't wait to eat some Skyline Conies. Enjoy <laughs> myself. We do have Skyline in Columbus. We have a ton yeah. of them, by the way. For anybody that is unaware of that, listening to the podcast. Um, shout out to Ryan Day. Yes, yes. Big shout out to Ryan Day. Great guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just excited that everything feels like it's back to where, you know, it should be. Red's Twitter's negative again. It's great. You know, everything's aligning properly. No, I'm kidding. It's it's been fifty fifty in my opinion. But are you, are you talking about me again? <laughs> no, I was just saying no. in general. No, I'm just saying in general. That interview in general. That interview that came out today really, really got no, the the people going. I mean, it it gets the people going. It gets the people going. <laughs> so um, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm just gonna say all in all, I'm excited for baseball season. I can't wait to go down and catch a game this year. It's going to be great. Get me back inside Great American Ballpark. It's been too long. So for my final thoughts, uh, if you're going to the game, it's going to be like 30 degrees, so you're going to freeze your nuts off. So dress warm. It was warm this weekend, and then it's just, you know, gone on the toilet. I want to give a shout-out to for being a dirty hippie. I want to give a shout-out to the Cincy Sports Gallery for sponsoring the podcast. Go see Callie for all of your Reds memorabilia needs, and if you need your bobblehead shipped appropriately. Um, shout out to Red Unc Ram, and uh, I'm really excited for opening day, even if Phil Castellini tried to, to, tried to ruin it. Um, baseball is coming back, and it's the next step towards normalcy. Everybody, go get your vaccines. Still wear your mask when you need to. Um, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. If I, if I were a philosopher, I would say we're in the seventh inning stretch of this pen. So don't fuck it up by not getting your vaccines or not wearing your masks. If you haven't had your vaccine yet, let's stop it so that we can get back to normal. We can all go to a baseball game, uh, listen to branch, get drunk. And then, uh, you know, have a good time. So for Carlos and Wu and Burmy and Branches, Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio.